With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to an All Games Radio Network broadcast of AllGames.com. Hi, this is Normie from Knuckleballer Radio and ZombieCast, and you're listening to one of my favorite shows on the Geeky Antics Network. Don't forget to check out the rest of the gang over at geekyantics.net. Warning, there might be rants and food ahead and possibly inappropriate behavior. Don't tell anybody, though. What's up, guys? Yomar here, a.k.a. Yogizilla. I just have a real quick call to action today. If you want to support the Geeky Answer Network, there's a really simple thing you could do. We'll give you uh, a few links. And all you got to do is click on them, share them, like them. You do all the social media stuff. Ideally, buy something, but it's not required of you. Of course, this is just a way to help our sponsors out and help us uh, pay our bills. And we just humbly ask that you share these links as, as much as you can. No pressure, no pressure. But we would greatly appreciate it. I mean, we get it. Lots of people don't have uh, money these days. Disposable income, what is that? Uh, so donating is not always a thing. But clicking links and sharing stuff on social media, I think everybody could do that. So the links are very simple. They all start with geekyantics.net forward slash whatever, right? So one is geekyantics.net forward slash shiny prints. The other one is geekyantics.net forward slash weddings. And then we have geekyantics.net forward slash Martin Septic. And if you just uh, share those and tell some friends, uh, check them out. See, see what's, what's out over there. And if you like what you see, definitely spread the word. I'm sure you know at least five people that might be at least mildly interested. We'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks so much, guys. You're about to listen to the Timey Wimey Tea Time Podcast, a geekyantics.net and allgames.com production. Find out what everyone's talking about. The Doctor, of course. Doctor Who? Exactly, that Doctor. <laughs> Join us live at www.twitch.tv forward slash geekyantics. That's G-E-E-K-Y-A-N-T-I-C-S. Hang out with us, ask questions, laugh and have at it. We can't wait to hear what's on your minds and hearts. Tiny Whiny Tea Time
Greetings and welcome to Timey Wimey Tea Time, where friends gather to talk about all things Doctor Who, sci-fi, fantasy, zombies, creativity, and geekdom as a whole. I'm Yoma Lopez, known throughout the interwebs and sometimes the Hooverse as Yogizilla. Friends IRL call me Yogi, and as our old friend and former co-host Stan Farina has been known to say, I'm a gamer, I'm a dreamer, I'm an author of silliness, a disgruntled techie, a wild-eyed entrepreneur, and a fistful of happy emoji kinds of sunshine. Ride into the battle upon a glittering My Little Pony. Whether it's uh, Applejack or Rainbow Dash, whatever one you like, no problem, no one's judging. But out of my mouth come laughing swords of peppermint and ginger. But above all, I hope that we can become friends as we embark upon a journey through time and space, the human condition, and merriment slash bantering. So today is uh, April 16th, 2016, we're in the middle of the month. And it's my birthday month, yay, three days. Three, oh wow, three days. Oh boy, get older and older. This is also a special episode of TWTT. Uh, it's our 50th episode. And I go, um, because I say special, but then at the same time, uh, it's not because I'm by myself. Where are the co-hosts? Where are the guests? Everybody had commitments, you know. People played other games. Or they just have, they just played MIA, you know, it happens. Good lord. So I'm a little under the weather. My nose is, like, suddenly running. Uh, so this may be a shorter show, too. So <laughs> I guess it could be considered special. Some people like more concise content. So, I don't know, maybe we'll get in under the hour mark. That's, I don't think it's ever happened for us. But we'll, we'll shoot for that. And just focus on quality over quantity. But if you're new or newish to our tea time, you may notice that we don't talk much to Doctor Who. That's because this show has evolved into more of a platform for deep yet casual conversation. That's kind of the tone of this show. I, I try to keep it accessible, definitely family-friendly, uh, so it's accessible in that regard as well. Uh, just accessible in terms of uh, how we approach the, the topics. We, we'll go deep on them. We try to avoid any pretentious stuff or any overly complicated, convoluted stuff, you know? We don't want this to seem like a scholastic endeavor. No, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, we go deeper on video games, uh, sci-fi, fantasy, fandoms. And the creative process, that's pretty much what we've been mostly focusing on. We also banter a bit, especially when I'm by myself and I have no uh, adult supervision. Uh, there is a lot of overlap between TWTT, the show, and the other Geeky Antics uh, flagship shows, but we keep it clean and we approach it from more, we approach the topic more from a creative, perhaps nerdy perspective. And if you've been, you been around from the beginning, since the beginning, uh, we hope you're, you're digging the new changes. Uh, if you want more Who, Best thing I can say is send us your topics or consider joining us as a co-host, on rotation, or a guest. Uh, everyone is always welcome to Time and Wimey Tea Time. Just want to throw that out there. But folks, uh, usually around this time, I'll go through the intergalactic star map and kind of talk about what we have lined up for the show. But I'm going to skip that. I'm going to surprise you. I'm going to keep it more, 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, mercurial? Nah, that's not the right word. That's more... An emotional descriptor. We're gonna keep it fresh. We're gonna keep. We're gonna. It's gonna be a, a bag of surprises. You ever, you ever, I don't know if you guys remember. I might be dating myself, but back in the days, you used to be able to go to a convenience store or drugstore or whatever your local town shop was, where you, all the doodads and knickknacks were at, and you could get like a little bag. A little bag. You know, it'd be like there'd be a nickel bag, like a fifteen, like a. I remember, it was ten, ten, ten cent one and twenty five cent one. No, and there was a dollar one. Uh, for me, growing up, there were like different prices. Yeah, 
and you get th- different random like surprises inside of the little bag. Uh, so there would be a bag, so there would be like a little manila envelope that hid the, the contents. You, well, it was something that would hide what was inside. It was neat. You get like usually little silly things like little toy soldiers and paper airplane type things. Maybe a cheap yo-yo. But it was cool. It was a adventure at every corner, just uh, opening up that little surprise box slash bag, whatever envelope, and uh, finding goodies in there. Good times. Good times. Those were simpler times. Uh, not that I'm, like, super, super old, but, you know. Times, they have changed. There's a lot of things we take for granted now. Before I get into that old fogey talk, uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's uh, do some uh, housekeeping. I said before, we do keep the show family-friendly. I-, I would consider the show PG-10. Not PG-13. PG-10. So, you're under the age of 10. There might be some innuendo that you might pick up on, but we, we try to keep the topics and the language... Uh, Family friendly across the board. Uh, Madden football. We got some Madden football stuff going on. If you want to join us on Madden NFO Mobile or Madden 16 on Xbox One uh, for some online football action, let us know. Uh, you can catch us. Uh, if you catch the show on time, actually, we'll be playing uh, the Doom and Battleborn open betas uh, this weekend, um, as well any, as well as any other open betas going on. Uh, this Orcs Must Die Unchained. Uh, Fire with Fires and Early Access. Uh, what else? Gigantic. I know there's some other ones out there. So we'll see there. Uh, your best bet are to hit us up. Uh, oh, and King Demon in the chat is saying division, the division. That's not an open beta, though. That's, that's a full release. Yeah, you can join us out there as well. Uh, you can hit me up on uh, Yogizilla. I'm, I'm Yogizilla everywhere. Y-O-G-I-Z-I-L-L-A. Uh, Oolong, who's usually here, Oolong, aka Fatal Blades, is IQ space freak space show, and Obi, Obi1x2, Obi1, the word one, x2. Those are all our uh, Xmas Live gamer tags. That's uh, we've been spending most of our time lately. Still PC Master Race, but you know, console is just a lot more convenient uh, at times. Uh, Social Dozen, we're we've taken a little bit of a break, I think. Session 7 is being recorded this weekend. Uh, it's already middle of the month. I gotta double check on that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, we're behind schedule. And it's a tough month for me because I have a... Uh, what did you know? When, you know, the way life works out, especially if you're a gamer, when you have lots of time to play games, you don't have the money to invest in the... Which, which is in what is really a pretty expensive hobby. Um... I used to be really into paintball as well. That's an even more expensive hobby. Uh, I'm glad I kind of gave that up because that's, whew, you can spend a lot of money in paintball. You know, video games, video games, uh, not, not a cheap endeavor, especially if you like to play different kinds of games and you jump on everything new that comes out. I'm pretty selective on, uh, on what I get. You know, when you, when you, and then, so what happens is, you know, when you have the free time, you don't have the money. And then when you have the money, you're too busy to enjoy it. That's that's just life. <laughs> so I think that's what's going on right now with, with social dozen. Uh, you know, it's really hard coordinating. Even though we have a stable of thirteen plus hosts on rotation, getting the four in any given week to coordinate is no small task. So what we'll probably end up doing is just uh, skipping ahead, and like uh, whoever missed their week, they can record whenever they want, and then we'll just uh, record. We'll follow our schedule of that week. Rec- pre-recorded all the episodes pre-recorded sometimes i stream them but usually they're pre-recorded um that's more sustainable 
Then we like to worry about setting up the channel, making sure the channel's free and all that, all the nuances that come with that. So stay tuned. Uh, I'm hoping, let's see, today's the 16th. And usually I get them out on Tuesdays. Uh, next episode should be up on the feeds. Oh, in time for my birthday, 19th. Ah, what did you know it? Uh, if not, the 26th. Okay, this week is going to be really busy. I actually won't even get to enjoy my birthday. But, you know, when you get old, you usually don't. But uh, in the meantime, leave us voicemail for uh, the social dozen. 201-762-4256. And you can see what we have to date. Uh, we have the some of the preview episodes. Uh, the raw cuts up on YouTube. YouTube.com forward slash Geeky Antics. Uh, also, the native feed. GeekyAntics.net forward slash the social dozen. And our Geeky Antics Foundry, our ag- aggregate feed of syndicated and exclusive shows is geekyantics.net forward slash podcast. And again, that voicemail line, or you, you can text or leave voicemail, 201-762-4256. And again, that's for The Social Dozen, one of our newest shows here on the Geeky Antics Network. Uh, you got to, King Deem says, I got to work on mine. Work on what? I missed it. Just, I completely went off on a tangent and lost my train of thought. Uh, work on your voicemail line? Uh, your podcast? You gonna do some podcasting? Yeah, finally. See, podcasting would work for you. Oh, on birthday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how it works out. I'm definitely working on my birthday. Cause I got a deadline this week. Big one. One of many coming up. Uh our new voicemail slash uh SMS or text line, whichever way you wanna say it. Yeah, uh, is six four six eight zero one two one four nine. That's for all of the geeky geeky Antics network. So if you want to leave for someone in particular or a particular show, just specify so. Or if it's just a general thought on the website or services we offer, or one of our advertising partners, sponsors, whatever. Or you want to be, uh, you want to work with us in some capacity. Yeah, that's a good place too. Six four six eight zero one two one four nine. Six four six eight zero one two one four nine. Of course, that is the U.S. number, so long distance charges, international rates may apply, depending on what kind of cell phone or telephone service you have. If you're using VoIP, it's probably the best way to go. Uh, you can also visit us at facebook.com forward slash geeky antics, or email us a short operative word, short MP3. That's another operative word because if it's if it's a wave. Yeah, waves are very big. Wave and PCM, anything that's not MP3 is going to be huge wave, uh, audio files, so don't do that. It's not email friendly. MP3, keep it uh, about a minute or two at most. Uh, you can send that to mail at geekyantics.net or for this show, T-O-T-T at geekyantics.net. Also, Whovians, I know you're out there. I see the, the download numbers. I see the clicks. I see all these metrics, all these analytics, and I say, hey, there's a lot of people really engage with our content. But most people are not aware of that because this little opportunity like leaving comments, um, leaving a review, people don't do it. And that's, and that's stuff that I don't put that much value on it, but you know what? At the end of the day, it matters because people see that and they get excited. That's so they, they see conversations going and it invites others to do the same. And it becomes very, I hate to say viral, but yeah, viral. So please... Leave us some iTunes reviews. You know, it's cumbersome. It's not the most intuitive platform, which is funny because that's kind of the cornerstone of Apple's approach to things is being intuitive, user-friendly. But it it really would mean a lot to us to have that. Um, Truth be told, the easiest way to do it is to install the software on your PC or Mac. My Mac was obviously already on there. And leave the review through through that. You just use the search, 
type in timey wimey we should be the first hit that comes up yay we should we're one of the first 10 hits that come up if you if you put in doctor who and then you filter for podcasts uh so yeah leave us a review that'd be great let us know where you're leaving the review because another thing that sucks is i'm sure we have tons of reviews but it's separated by region so if you left the review and you're in another country because we have we have people in spain uh brazil uh, the UK, I mean, all over. Um, and it's hard to keep up with that because it doesn't notify the content creator. It just kind of sits there until we stumble upon it or someone lets us know, hey, you have listeners and viewers over here. Check out these reviews. Oh, okay. A little awkward, but that's the way it's designed. Uh, Steam gift exchange is still going on. That's an ongoing thing. Just a little reminder. Uh, we do have a Steam community. Uh, don't keep that up as much, but I do check it, you know, every so often. And, um... Sometimes we do chat through that for the PC gamers and Mac gamers out there. Um, we, give, we give out codes for things like... Uh, we're giving out codes for Gigantic, but that's already open beta now. Uh, and we got a bunch of giftable copies of games like Dungeon of the Endless, Torchlight 2, uh, Van Helsing, uh, Speedrunners, Rocket League, a, a bunch of games. So if any of that, any of that interests you, we do lean more towards PC uh you know, it's really hard to get stuff for console, even with, uh, you know, the fact that we're a legitimate media outlet. For some reason, like, PC, easy to get review codes and, you know, swag. But when you go to the console, it's like, well, we got a limited supply of these. And we'd rather give it to, like, an IGN or a Giant Bond. They beg. That's how to do us, yo. <laughs> um, by the way, if you want to join us live... Like uh, BFT9000 and King Deem in the chat. What's up, guys? What's up? Uh, you could join us when we broadcast every other Saturday at allgames.com forward slash live. Or just go to all, allgames.com and look for the live slash chat option and just jump in there. And it'll give you like a little web a little web app, applet, widget, whatever you want to call it. That'll let you uh, tap into IRC. Or if you're savvy, you can just connect IRC and... I don't on uh, the All Games channel like I usually do. Who's in here right now? I see MXT is in here. BBOK, who's got a book coming out. Uh, what's his book called? Talking Politics with Friends, something like that. Uh, DC Nate 3, GK128, Kazen, Kitsune, uh, Rageinator, Warham, Wayland, Wilcon, and this Yogizilla guy. It looks familiar. So you can join us there every other Saturday when we do the show. We are bi-weekly or semi-monthly, whichever way you want to look at that. Uh, there's a lot of confusion between semi and bi, and that's a whole debate for another time. We're not going to get open up that can of worms. Uh, or our Twitch channel, twitch.tv forward slash geeky antics. Pretty much if you search geek, geeky antics, you'll find us. Um, and be sure to check out our other shows on our respective networks, but keep in mind that uh, they, they, they there's some very distinct shows. There are a lot of similarities, but... Some of them are a little more risque, shall we say? Ah, Oolong, I didn't use my punk t- pun today. So, yeah, Oolong has a, a, a kind of wager going. He wants he, he he wages that I've said a certain pun at least uh, fifty times through, through the life of this show. My, I say it's um, it's more around thirty-five to forty. Uh, if, I, if I had to come down on, this, on a hard number, I'd probably say say thirty-eight. So he's saying fifty. Now I'm not going to use the pun. See, you're robbing people of the pun and they're wondering, what is the pun? Mm-hmm. 
Well, if, you want to, if you want to find out, we do make the show notes for this particular show. Uh, they are accessible. They're public. You go into them on Google Drive. Uh, the links will be in the description of the podcast and the video on YouTube, BT Dubs. Uh, what else? What else? What else do we have? Uh, I want to shout out some of the folks that we're teamed up with, some of the brands that we love, uh, sponsors and clients that we work with, and also uh, unofficial sister networks. So we mentioned already uh, allgames.com, uh, All Games Radio Network. Uh, There's Tangent Bound Network, uh, Muses of a Geek Network, uh, AM Audio Media. They got a uh, next, I think the latest project is Doctor Who Odyssey, and they just put up uh, their fourth promo for that project up on SoundCloud. Uh, for however long SoundCloud will be around, kind of a shame. Uh, actually, no, they have it on uh, Stitcher as well, so you're covered. Um, check them out. Check out all our all our heroes, all our friends. Uh, give them a like, comment, sh- share, plus one, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, in particular, I always give extra love to Vince Martin, uh, Martin Septic Service of uh, Middle Georgia. Great guy, great company. If you're in an area, you need a uh, yeah, septic system looked at, which is something that people take for granted. Definitely uh, give them a call. And, you know, think, remember, preventative maintenance, that, that's bigger, that's more important than uh, repairing because by the time you need to actually have an, uh, by the time you actually have an emergency or a real need, it might be too late or it's going to be really expensive. So keep that in mind. The same thing goes with just about anything, computers, cars, whatever. You let a problem go for too long and boom, bad things happen. We also have a new sponsor, uh, BitsConsulting.net. Uh, I'm actually working on a bunch of stuff for them uh, by way of Geeky Antics Premium Services. We do offer premium services. If you go over to GeekyAntics.net for us services, see some of the stuff we offer. And I'm doing graphic design, uh, back-end uh, development, uh, CMS, uh, c- copy editing, marketing, all, all, everything end-to-end, complete redesign of the website. That's uh, be coming soon, so stay tuned for that. And another sponsor, this should be the last one, uh, Green Geeks. Uh, stay tuned for that. We're gonna, if you're looking for a web host, but something that's better than you know GoDaddy, because GoDaddy is very basic um, and it's not as feature rich. You know, if you really want to invest in your business, you know, and I'm of course I'm a little biased because this is an affiliate marketing thing where you know we get a commission off of it full of disclosure um green geeks is really good and w- one of the things that's really neat about them is that not only do they pro- guarantee um maximum uh availability and they actually deliver on it but they're green and what that means is that they actually are environmentally friendly they use uh renewable uh, energy sources uh, i believe that their whole uh, server farm is powered by like uh windmills and stuff. I was looking at it I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. Like it's all like hydro and wind powered and solar powered and stuff like that. It's like it's crazy. So it's a good option to explore. And like I always say, like if you're serious about your business, you spend the extra money rather than than cutting corners. Um because you do get what you pay for with the technology. Trust me. <laughs> uh so what else? Uh, I think that covers everything. All right. No news today, so we won't be doing the huge news stuff. Uh, but think we will talk video games and just have we'll have a few tidbits and we'll wrap up uh, how we're doing on time. Sorry about a half hour in. That's not too bad. All right. Let me check the chat, see if there's anything going on that I may have missed. Nope. Good. I know this is compelling radio. 
Alright, so let's jump right into the gaming verse. Um, talk about... Ooh, excuse me. My back has been killing me lately, so if I'm fidgety, I apologize. And that little sound in the background, yes, it is my chair. I need to get a new chair. This one's squeaky. I'm, maybe I should just put some, like, Vaseline or some, or some motor oil on it or something. Nah, it means a lot more than that. It's, like, wobbly. I think I've beat up this chair too much. It's been a good chair, though. Had a good long, good long run. But anywho, uh, where do I start? Because there's been a lot of games. Let's talk about one of the freshest games. A game we've played before during the closed beta, Battleborn. And, you know, it's interesting because, obviously, there are a lot of MOBAs out there. Uh, whether they want to call themselves MOBAs or not, that's a whole other story. Um, if you look at Heroes of the Storm or Overwatch, um, there's a bunch of other ones. They don't want to call themselves a, a MOBA, right? They say, oh, we're a hero brawler. Uh, League of Legends actually, called, they call their game an arts, action, art, uh, real-time strategy game. But ultimately, they're all in the MOBA space. You know, you got a, you get, you play a character, and it's all micro, it's not macro. You, you just control that one character, not an army, and you have to just manage your resources on a very micro level. And, you know, and that's it. I mean, that's the basic fundamental. Usually MOBAs have creeps and, and some sort of objectives you have to you have to push. It's not just you know team deathmatch, and and you battle with other heroes. And yeah, that that's a MOBA to me. You know there might be some other DV. I mean I would say Airmech is a MOBA, though Airmech leans a little more towards the RTS side of MOBA, which is part of the, really the roots. Let me get, get some coffee here. So first thing I would say about Battleborn, uh, I I definitely love it. Um, I think it has enough personality, and if anybody wants to chime in on it, uh, I think it has enough personality to make it stand out as a MOBA, um, and definitely stand out from comparable games like Gigantic, Smite, but there is one concern, and I think the elephant in the room, so to speak, is that it's a fifty nine ninety nine game, right, uh, this is a big studio production in a space that has been... Mainly dominated by smaller companies. I mean, Riot is huge now, but Riot was nobody, you know, about six, seven years ago, you know. Uh, but the esports scene really helped them boom, and they got ahead of a trend, a growth trend. Because before League of Legends, there were only a few of us that were aware of Dota or games like Herzog's Y, which you could say is the granddaddy of MOBAs. You know, debatably. Um, and there's other ones, there's other precursors, but, you know, MOBA wasn't really a coined term, so to speak. Uh, so if you played Warcraft 3 and StarCraft and played on the mods in there, you started getting familiar with these custom maps that were started, that people started calling hero brawlers or malls or, you know, ultimately they became MOBAs. And, or I remember at one point they were calling them, what was it, AOSs? Was it AOS the term? There was there was a game before Dota that was really huge until Dota really caught on, and then Dota All-Stars kind of just killed it. Uh, there was AOS. Was that the one? Yeah. Pretty sure that's the, that was the name. Ancient uh, Ages of Sentinels. I don't even remember what it was called. Huh. Well, anyway. It, it was AOS. It was something to that effect. It was kind of like before, you know, the whole... Uh, what the hell just happened? Oh, okay. I shouldn't be messing with stuff when I'm... Recording or streaming. <laughs> My bad. So, you know, League of Legends got ahead of it. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But now it's like uh, everybody's jumping on on this on the bandwagon 
And yeah, you can say Blizzard is a big studio that jumped in, jumped in on it, right? But Blizzard is a huge company that has more of an indie feel. And if you throw put aside the Activision part, they kind of do their own thing. They still have that small company or that medium-sized business kind of feel to them. At least that's the way I feel when I look at their games. Yeah, they take a lot more risks. They're a lot more creative. Or they have their own kind of unique take on things. Um, I think Blizzard is really good at making games accessible. And, you know, taking the parts of a genre or, or a concept that really work and refining them and highlighting those things. So then they streamline it so that you can just focus on those good parts. Um, I, Heroes of the Storm, I think, is definitely a case of that because they took all the parts of MOBAs that make them frustrating. They, t- they pulled that out, and then they built upon the things that make them good and make people more uh, more likely to play as a team and be good sports. Um, so Battleboard's coming into a very aggressive space, and I can't help but think, is this going to have the same fate as... Guardians of Middle Earth or Dawngate, all right? Because Dawngate was the EA's attempt at entering the space. Uh, Guardians of Middle Earth is still going. I think they shut down the servers on the 360 or on all the consoles, but it's still running on PC. I did confirm the PC last night. It is working. It just takes forever to find a match. I fi- yesterday was the fastest I ever found a match. It was like uh, a minute, a minute and a half, two minutes, which is fast considering how long it usually takes for that game. To to do matchmaking, King Dean in the chat says, "Team play, you say no one has a mic. That's a console anomaly. I don't get it. People can spend five bucks, ten bucks on a cell he- headset. You know, you just need a, a headset that has three point a three point five millimeter jack, and boom, you spend under twenty bucks and get that. <laughs> you don't have to spend sixty bucks to get a a turtle wax that people call them sometimes. <laughs> Throat's really dry. <clears throat> so here's the problem." And we're going to kind of revisit this topic on and off on this show and future shows. and Not just tea time, you know. There'll be other places we'll talk about it. But I feel like certain games have a perceived value that's built in. A fair market value. You know, the market kind of de- determines the appropriate price, the buy-in. And MOBAs have kind of become equi- have become synonymous with free-to-play. No, very few people will say a MOBA is like a, a, a full-priced off-the-shelf purchase. But that's what Battleborn is trying to be. Now, mind you, it, it's a gearbox, and they've had great success with uh, Borderlands. This definitely has a Borderlands feel to it in terms of the style. And that will draw some people in, and that'll turn some other people off. Because uh, it's you know, that kind of cel-shaded, cartoony look. Yeah, they love it or you hate it. Like, a lot of people won't even touch Borderlands because they don't like the way it looks. And it, it gives them headaches or whatever. Which is a shame because it's a, it's a fantastic series. Um, so, I wonder, like, is Gearbox just thinking, well, we have the brand power. People will jump on this. And then I go back to, what was the Aliens game they did? Wasn't it Aliens Colonial Marines that, they, that Gearbox did that tanked? Battleborn, I feel, needs to be a success for them. Uh, Borderlands is a pre-sequel. I, I hear mixed reviews about it. It, it. it seemed like a cash grab. I think this could be a great platform th- for them. Uh, uh, unfortunately, they're taking the big risk. Maybe they think, well, if we charge for it up front and give people f- 
full access to all the content with that, then they might appreciate it rather than say giving it some free and then say, well, if you want to do anything, you have to buy this, this, and that. Uh, maybe they just they just try to play it safe and minimize the risk by you know giving a few guaranteed sales and then I don't know free updates. Like I feel like this game would have to have free updates. Um, like no, if they do DLC on this, that's gonna be a uh, a killer. That's that I think that's gonna ruin it for a lot of people. Microtransactions for premium stuff like skins, sure. Now what they were saying and from what I, everything I've read. I've seen, uh, it seems like their model is going to be that they're going to make it so you can earn everything in-game. So it's just one price to buy in, and then you have all the content you need at your fingertips. So that could work, but I think it's a hard, it's a hard sale, and this is the big problem. A game that's really optimized, almost, not, almost 100% multiplayer, Needs to have the bi- a big community, a thriving community to to keep to really have legs, right? Because you don't want to be in a situation where you have a great game where there's a, uh, a lot of friction, a barrier to entry, and and people are not buying it, so the, the people that love it can't really play with anyone because there's no one to play with. That's just not good. Uh, as it is right now in this open beta, there's a lot of people. Like it, it takes a lot longer than it should to find a match. It's a little faster on PC. On console, it seems to take uh, longer for some reason. So it makes me really concerned. BFT9000 says, Colonial Marines wasn't bad if you went in knowing how they advertised it. I enjoyed the game, but I went back and watched the trailers and wanted that game instead. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Well, the thing is, to me, Colonial Marines was a great game that wasn't Aliens. I, I, I feel like they missed that feel. Like, the the game that got it right, that I can think of the best game, and actually the Aliens vs. Predator games weren't bad. I actually quite enjoyed them. The same, the last one kind of fell under the radar because that was actually a good game too. Um, but you know who got it right? The Doom Aliens mod. That thing was on point. It, it had that tension, that eeriness, that real, like, pure sci-fi experience. There's something about Gearbox, the way they produce a game, that... It's hard for me to take it seriously. It's like I, I'm, I'm expecting whoopee cushions and fart jokes, you know. I don't know. I, I, I think it was a bad, a bad fit. They could have do, done it, but I think they took. I don't know. They took it in a whole different direction, and that disconnect is basically what you're saying. I'm just being long-winded about it. <laughs> People had a certain expectation, and then when they got into it, like this is not what we signed up for. So it's a great game, it just wasn't really an Aliens game or an Alien game, whatever way you want to look at it. So, anyway, back to Battleborn. I'm loving it. Um, I just I am really concerned that, you know, it's a crowded space to begin with. Fifty nine ninety nine, really hard pill to swallow when there's games like Smite that are free. Gigantic is free to play. Use of Storm, free to play. Um... I think the best way to really do it is to do uh, incentivize early adopters. Say, hey, this is the price that it's going to be after X amount of time. But if you buy in now, not only will you be a founder, but you'll pay less. Completely shift the paradigm. Take take the, the current model, flip it upside down. Because right, right now what happens is they take the, you know, the, the, the price would be lowered after a certain amount of time, especially if they're struggling in sales. 
are trying to they'll, they'll start making deals to get more people on board. Why not just do that to begin with? It's not. It's not I don't think it's, it's in the signal that you don't believe in your product. You should, but you should be rewarding the people that jump, take that risk up front. You know, uh, BFT does make a good point. Battleborn offers a full single player experience, but is that really what people are buying into? I'm not. You know, and the thing is, the open beta doesn't give you a taste of that at all. Because I try to, I try to do the single player on 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 PC and on Xbox One. Um, at least I try to do it as a public co-op thing, and they didn't let me. That sounds like it'd be fun though, like a, a nice cooperative experience where you play through a story. But then I start thinking about things like uh, Bl- uh, Brink. I loved Brink, but man, like they they mismanaged that product. That 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 project was mismanaged from beginning to end, and it could have been so great. Like the parkour was great. It, it had a unique feel to it. Ah. BFT saying he uh, watched some of the single player and it, it practically sold him on the game. See, I'm not a single player guy, but like once that shot, that sheen wears off, you know, like how how extensive can that single player experience be? You know, yeah, large levels, epic boss battles, epic boss battles. Yeah, I still think 59.99 because most people are gonna look at this to the surface and say it's a MOBA. 59.99, that's a big price. Like this should have if. At forty nine ninety nine, it's a little easier. Thirty nine ninety nine, I think, would have been perfect. Forty bucks, because I think what's going to give this legs in the long run is that multiplayer experience. Uh, let's see, you can, and you can experience and gear for use in multiplayer. Yeah, which is doing single player carries over. Now, I, I will say, I, I'm 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 already pre ordered. You know that twenty percent off pre order. You know new games, new releases. I took advantage of that months ago. So, I mean. I'm on board. I'm on board for this and Doom, which is the next game we're going to talk about. Uh, this is another game. This is a game that people are openly hating on. Uh, I actually really enjoy Doom. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying Doom. Uh, and we're going to switch gears because we can talk more, a lot more about Battleborn. But let's talk about Doom because people are really pooping on this on this game. I mean, they are not pulling punches, especially on Steam. And I, I will say that this game does seem to cater more to a console audience. But people are saying, oh, and I don't get the hate, but they're saying, oh, it's for casuals. Oh, it's a Halo clone. You know, and, and it just boggles my mind because I'm like, you guys realize the Doom came first. And nothing against Halo, but Doom had Space Marines before Halos did. <laughs> and, 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 man, I don't even know where to start. And I'm trying to keep civil about this. BFT says that uh, Battleborn is more a, a shooter than MOBA. Uh, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I can see where you like to come from. But, to, see, that's the thing, though. Like, just because you have more projectile, you know, mechanically, yeah, the way that the characters handle more shooter, but ultimately it's a MOBA because it's objective-driven. You're pushing lanes. You're defending objectives. You're put, you're go, moving in with your creeps. You know, that's the fun, that's the core of MOBA. Uh, BFT says that Doom is only multiplayer with the beta. Doom was never remembered for its multiplayer. Single players were Doom Shine. See, I'm I'm actually one of those weird people that actually love the multiplayer. I was the weird guy that did the LAN parties and did the dial up. And Doom multiplayer was amazing. Uh, fast paced, brutal, very tense. Like you know, it, it, you know. Usually, I prefer a tactical shooter, but this is one of the few times I'm like, yes, bring me that fast paced 
unapologetic, fun experience, you know? Like, when, it, when, I, when I think of Doom Online as, like, the pin, one of the pinnacles at the time, like, it's a god tier for arena shooter, like, up there with Unreal Tournament and Quake, which, you know, Quake basically is what Doom evolved into, if you really think about it. And people, a lot of people say Doom was no longer relevant once Quake came out, but Doom still has its place. Now, I'm excited about the single player, and it looks like this is going to be more of a hell setting than it is, uh, like, a space ship a space based type of thing. Um, so it's more they're going more the demonic theme, which is cool. This it feels more like Doom Two than it does original Doom, which is fine. A lot of people call Doom Three an abomination because it was a corridor shooter, and there was a lot of corridors in the original Doom. So you can tell who didn't really play a lot of Doom or doesn't haven't played hasn't played it re- recently because I think they're in line with the original Vision. Now here's here's the issue. All right, so. People say it's a Halo clone, alright? Which is ignorant because, you know, Doom came first. I can see the similarities though. I'd rather play this over Halo. Reason being is, the thing that frustrates me with Halo is that it, I feel like it's an identity crisis. And I, and I like Halo, but I feel like, alright, the, the lore and the single player, again, don't really care for that. We're talking about the multiplayer. Uh, you know, I don't find any, I'm not particularly in love with any of the weapons in. In Halo, except maybe the Needler, because it's funny. Um, uh, okay, and and the dunking on people is pretty cool too. You know that that's cool as well when you get the big hammer. And they have a lot of gameplay modes, alright. So it's a good party game. Like to me, Halo is a good party game. Um, when it comes to like just good, clean shooting fun, I I still would rather play something like Doom. Some guy that came along. So the, I see the comparison. People are like, oh, it's a Halo ripoff. Oh, why? Because they they're wearing hel- helmets. They're little space marines. Okay, and it's colorful and fast paced. Sure, <laughs> but uh, it's just not a fair comparison. I think this. Uh, I think there's a void that this fills, and it, it certainly fills a void for me. Um, you're either gonna love it or hate it, though. I I will say this: this is the game they advertise. This is the game that they've been teasing. Anyone is shocked or disappointed did not expect the right thing. This is exactly what I expected, a game where it's in-your-face, visceral. I mean, people could could kill you with uh, melee execution if you get too close and let your guard down, you know? And it's, it can be frustrating, but much, you know, even when I'm doing really crap, I, I'm, I don't mind because I'm having fun. There's something about, I don't know, I've always liked the formula. Like I like the way the plasma rifle works and, like, kind of peppering people with the plasma rifle. You get a super shotgun, and usually I'm not a big shotgun guy, but something about that super shotgun, good times. I like the way they handle the alternate firing modes. They call them modifiers, so if you, if you press or hold the left trigger, it changes the behavior of the weapon. Like with the plasma rifle, it throws down uh, like a, a, a kind of lava pit. You know, a lot of cool stuff like that, and I'm really digging it. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I, and actually, I will say, I am looking forward to single player. Because it looks like you'll play a lot like Bulletstorm, and I loved Bulletstorm. You know, it was just good, clean fun. And I hope that it they take some of the fear factor from previous Dooms. I think Doom 3, that's one of the things it did really well, is that it created that tension. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with having the fast-paced action, but I want some of that tension, too. Like, like am I going going to go around this corner, and, you know, someone's going to jump on me, you know? Now, Doom 3 obviously did that too much because things kept, you know, 
coming from behind. You know, they'll jump down from a grate, you know, like uh, go down a, a vent or come up a vent or c- break down a wall and you get ambushed left and right. And after a while, you started to come to expect it. Um, but, you know, it, 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 they could do it really well. I mean, Doom 2 is still a fantastic game. I could still go back to it, play Ultimate Doom. Heck, if, people, if there was a community for it, I'd be making levels for it still. The fact that this has a level editor, you know, like, between Doom and Speedrunners, those are two games that I really would like to dedicate, carve out some time and make levels for. And eventually maybe some some custom stuff for StarCraft 2, but that takes a lot of time. You know, kind of scripting all those triggers and all that, all the events and whatnot. You know, work, working with triggers, event triggers, and script, doing the scripting and editing objects. It's a lot of work, and they got to, you know, build maps, and they give you the tools, but... You know, it's not easy making those custom uh, those custom maps, those mods for Warcraft 3 or Starcraft 2. Anywho, I'm excited about it. I think it's a, a complete product. And it's going to be one of those games where I could get lost in it for hours or just be a nice palate cleanser. And, you know, right now I look at my collection. I'm like, oh, there's Star Wars Battlefront for that. And it's a different kind of experience. Like, Star Wars Battlefront is pretty fast-paced, but it isn't as visceral. Um... You know, and it's definitely epic, and there's a lot of variety in that. Um, but this is the kind of thing I've been looking for, like, coming back to those old days. Maybe it's nostalgia. I, I will fully admit that nostalgia might be a big part of it. Maybe once the nostalgia wears off, I might not enjoy it as much. But I, I feel almost obliged to support Doom because I want him to succeed and, and be able to invest in a future Doom with a lot more polish and variety because I dig this. I'm really excited about it. I, I, you know, I, I, this is kind of a space for it because like I'm I'm really finally going back to Call of Duty. I skipped the last two Call of Duties, and my son's like, "Hey, you should get Call of Duty. We can play together. I'll buy it for you with my allowance." And I'm like, "No, please don't. That's a slippery slope." So, so that the last thing I would say is really kind of thinking about it. Who's who is Doom for? This new Doom. Because they're not even Doom 4. They're not even calling it Doom 4. It's just Doom. It's like, I I feel like they're trying to reboot it and bring it, you know, start off fresh. And I think it's a good start. I think if you have fond memories of old shooters, particularly Doom, but you also can appreciate the fact that they have to update it to modern times. There's certain expectations. People like perks. They like customization. There's a lot of this in here. Like, they have the hack modules where you can slot those in. Um, you got the, you could like put different skins in your weapons and change the colors and change the color of your armor. They have different style armor to make some match your armor pieces. Uh, you could set up loadouts. There's a lot of stuff to, to do to make the game your own. Um, and the hack modules are pretty interesting because they, they have cooldowns and then they expire and you pick them up from your performance in a mat, in a, in a match. Um, Hack modules are cool too. Like they'll do things like they'll show your enemy's health, or they'll show where the enemy is located. Yeah, I know all the games have done that. We're not gonna get go down and get into that. Because um, after a while, there's only so much you could do. But I like the way they're handling it here. Um, you have bounty, which increases your experience gain. A lot of neat things. I think there's a lot of cool things working for it. BFT says the map creator looks really cool. I'm really liking the armor and weapon customization. Yeah, me too. So, you know, I skipped Halo 4 and 5. You know, I feel like this will fill that void too without me breaking down and getting Halo <laughs> and then maybe regretting it later. 
I just don't care about the Halo campaign anymore. Like, I used to play it with my friends and with my kids, and now I'm like, eh. I might still jump on Halo 5. We'll see. But it's like, I don't see anybody on my friends list really playing it. So, I don't know. Maybe one day when it goes on, on, on sale cheap. But this game I'm actually really excited for. So, what else have we been playing? Da, 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 da. Smite. I think we talked a lot about Smite. And then one thing I will say right now is Smite's kind of devolving into League of Legends levels of, uh, the LoL levels of BM, Bad Manners, and, and the whole cookie cutter metas, you know, the cookie cutter builds. But it's still a fantastic game. I think the auto buy and auto level makes it much more accessible to new players, but what I am finding is that even in mid-level unranked queues, people are just try-harding, for better or worse, um, instead of just enjoying the experience. So it's basically like a lot of people in League of Legends and Smite feel like, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be an esports player. <laughs> like I don't know, they like they have those aspirations. It seems like. Uh, Heroes of the Storm, still loving this game. I wish I had more people to play with uh, on this game. Um, Hobie just goes out and says that the game is pretty much dead. I would not say that. It's got a really strong community. It's just that amongst our friends, people prefer more eye candy. That's really what it comes down to. Because if, like, if Heroes of the Storm had the graphics of like a Smite, maybe even the the sex appeal, for lack of a better phrase... Uh, of, of Smite, I bet you'd be a different story. I mean, it's it's there, but people are they like the 3D. They don't like this whole isometric thing. It's kind of a hard sell in this day and age. So it's a very kind of niche thing, but that's what happens. Uh, what else? We talked about Madden NFL Mobile, Lifeline. I need to finish my my playthrough on Lifeline. I'm trying to go through a different uh, path and avoid the tragic. Events that happen at the end. And that's all I'm going to say. But again, it's like really these things where... Okay, it's a dollar game on mobile. That's definitely worth it. But I, I wouldn't really call it a game. It's it's an experience. And uh, it's not a bad thing, but that's what it is. You know, I've been playing... I've been playing a little less Gems of War. I'm still loving Gems of War, but I'm getting back into Hearthstone. And, you know, I always get back into Hearthstone at some point. I'm actually hankering to play it right about now. <laughs> um... I like the the rewards, the way they've handled Hearthstone with the the chest at the end of each season and getting better rewards of higher you rank. Um, that's something I've been kind of hoping for for a long time, and I got to finally deliver on that. Uh, what else? What else? I think the last two things we'll talk about as far as the games we've been playing. Um, so there's a lot of talk about Destiny. This is a game that I was really loving on at first. I was a late adopter. And then I realized why everybody was so mad at the game. Uh, a game with no direction. A game that kept taking 180 degree turns. Um, Bungie was just, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so people were saying that the, the, the final nail on the coffin for, for Destiny was uh, the introduction of microtransactions. So you could buy armor sets with in-game currency or real money. Uh, essentially devaluing the drops that people worked so hard to get. Um, yeah, that's pretty poor taste. And now, the thing I was suggesting all along, that they make the next expansion free, they're doing, they're doing, they should have done that with the Taken King, in my opinion. It was such a drastic change 
They should have just eased people into it and said, hey, you know what? I know we're completely changing everything up on you. And maybe this is the right. Now we're finally going to get it right. We believe in it so much. We'll make it free. And then earn your trust. And then the next one will make it cheaper than the other the other expansions. We, we, we value those of you that have stayed around the whole time. But nope. And, and Bungie being, you know, with, you know, the company they're with, that's kind of greedy. I mean, they might as well be. They might as well be with EA. They should have stayed with Microsoft, you know. But I'm not gonna get back into that rant. the The game that I've been playing the most still overall is Tom Clancy's The Division. Um, 120 plus hours easily. Actually, I would say I would say probably 140 at this point um, between two characters. Uh, and they just had the patch 1.1, which brought the incursions. Uh, man, what do we say about this? Hmm. There's a lot of stuff here. So they added daily and weekly assignments. Of course, you still have your daily missions. And, you know, you basically have your two, two, your two hard dailies and then your challenging. They made it easier to be able to farm those, do them repeatedly. And there's a reason you want to keep doing them because... The marketplace for Phoenix points has become greater. Like, now you need a lot more Phoenix points if you want to do anything. You don't need Phoenix points to recalibrate your gear, which is great. So you keep trying to re-roll stats and optimize your your loadout. But, you know, anything worthwhile is going to cost you at least two, three hundred Phoenix points. And on average, you're going to get maybe 10 to to 30 Phoenix points per per, uh, mission run. So, it's a little rough, you know. Actually, I think the highest thing right now is an incursion. Falcon Lost gives you 30. Everything else is like 10 or 20. And when you look at the time you spend to complete something legit, not if you're using an exploit, that doesn't count, and that's kind of lame. Just going to put it out there. Um, You're spending, you know, you're maybe getting 30 points at most every hour. Uh, maybe a half hour if you're really that good and you have a really coordinated group. So it's all, if you talk about f- realistically 300 Phoenix credits, it'll take you about 10 hours more or less, let's just say. Let's say, let's say like your medium. Might be more, might be less, depending where you're at with your team and your loadout. So overall, I'm really enjoying the game still. Um, I like the little tweaks they've done to everything. A lot more stuff you could do. You know, you have more grinding opportunities, more farming opportunities, but it doesn't like it doesn't feel like they force you to do it. But I really would like to get blueprints from the set items, and the uh, set items look pretty neat. There's uh, a lot of negative feedback on the set items. Some people are just sticking with their, their other gear because they get better stat rolls on them. But I like the utility of the sets. I'm still kind of torn whether I'm going to go with the Sentry set which gives you, like, a buff 30% to headshot damage, which is, you know, it's basically more for snipers. Or if I go with strikers, maybe, and get that critical damage increase. I think it's critical damage and critical chance, and the more you hit someone, the perk on that is the more you hit people, the more consecutive shots you do, it has, like, a 1% increase each time with each consecutive shot, a damage buff that stacks. Um, and every time you miss, you lose 2%. Of that damage buff. So it's interesting. That seems like it's really tuned for close quarters combat. And it has me thinking, like, what do I want to ultimately do? 
Uh, I think first I want I would rather gear out for PVE and then look at a PVP build. As far as PVP build, I I, I kind of feel like it, the best thing to do would be go, you know, stamina and firearms and go be a little tank, be like a off tank, but like focus on DPS more a little more and get the high crit chance, you know, rate of fire, crit chance, crit damage. If you have at least 30% crit chance, I think that's more than enough. You know, one in three shots will, will more or less hit. And then and they, it's basically a dice roll, so one in three could be five consecutive shots that hit crit. It's not like it's it's keeping the hash saying, well, you just hit a, your crit, so the next two will not be a crit, you know? That's that's, that's the nice thing about it. Um, so, hmm. just thinking out loud ma- mainly... Um, the one thing I would say with the incursion, uh, I hope the other ones are more extensive. They they had a good concept here. They didn't flesh it out as much as I would have liked or a lot of people would have liked. But I'm not as rough on that as some people are. It's a, it's a free update. You know, another company would have maybe charged for this. Um, it's a cool boss battle, basically. Uh, what's disappointing is that to get to that boss battle, it's like a hop, skip, and a jump away. They could have built it up a lot more. I mean, you, you're, you know, spoilers, you're finding, like, the so-called last LMB stronghold and assaulting it, and you go down into the sewers deep in there, but it's not that hard of a trip. You, then you finally get down there, and and all it is is 15 waves of enemies you have to survive as you try to kill this APC that's brutal. This APC that had machine gun fire that hurts, and they also could fire off missiles. So, and it's funny, too, because... This APC, this one APC, they're like, it, we can't let that get to the surface. Like, this one APC is going to completely change things. And I guess it is that OP. Um, <laughs> a little silly of a plot development, but overall a good experience. Um, I still have my issues with the Dark Zone. I feel like, yeah, it's a PvP-enabled area, but people are just shooting for the heck of it. And that kind of bothers me. I, I still feel like they need to have a pvp only mode for people that just want like a little arena or a training simulator something where people can just fight each other and and get that itch scratch because in, in the dark zone i feel like it's 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 an awkward place because you want to probably build for pvp in case someone ambushes you but your builds for pvp are not as effective in pve so what you have is this awkward thing where people just camp and let everybody else do the heavy lifting, and then they kill them. And I don't find that fun. Like I know how they're doing it. They're not bothering with the the enemies, farming the enemies. They're just waiting for everybody else to do the heavy lifting, and then they come in and clean up. They look for those opportunities when someone's already low on health, and then they clean up those those kills, or where you distract them when you let your guard down, or when you're about to extract. And the concept is cool, but in execution, it's just annoying because it's just constantly going back to the respawn point and then going back hoping you get pick up your gear or get revenge and you know you have to really go in with a group that you trust and it's going to be coordinated and really know hey all right if things get hairy this is what we're going to fall back to this is going to be our rally point we'll go here and then we'll 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 regroup and then we'll go here you know but it doesn't happen as much as I'd like. <laughs> it doesn't have to be super like surgical and, and, and precise, but you know, 
you have to be that detailed, but there needs to be some kind of direction. Not synergize your abilities, know what, how to position, uh, how to approach a battle. Because you don't want to be clumped together and make it easy for people to mow you down. You kind of want to be able to flank people and blindside them. You know, I, I do like the tactics of it. Uh, it's just, I'm finding less and less, I, I, I don't want to go to Dark Zone unless I really have a group that knows what they're doing. And then it's fun. But to go there by myself, which you should be able to do, you know, or just with a couple of people, it, you really can't because people are camping out these new supply drops that, like, spawn every hour or something. So that's rough. And then they're also farming all the the bosses or the landmarks. So I like the Dark Zone conceptually. I still feel there's some execution issues issues there. There's just not enough incentive to... You know, the thing is, I think there's too much incentive to go rogue and not enough disincentive. Like, so, all right, someone goes rogue, they're marked on the map. Cool. Here's the issue. Like, if someone's acting suspicious and you want to preemptively strike them because you know that they're, they they have no... Let's, for example, a simple example. They're at an extraction point. They're, like, they're eyeballing you and they have no gear to extract. Clearly, they're up to something nefarious. Right, that rarely ends up in a good place. So, in that situation, you shouldn't be punished for make striking first because if you don't strike first, they're gonna wait till your back is turned and then they're gonna attack. So then there's this awkward kind of Mexican standoff, and the tension can be cool, except it's just silly. Like, well, who's gonna shoot first? Who's gonna shoot first? And I don't know. Something about it doesn't sit right with me. Now. Perhaps what they could do is, all right, because what usually happens when people go rogue, they just run for a while so that they don't get shot and then the timer wears off. Because if they tend to get shot, the timer goes up further. So they could technically keep running forever, and it's really hard to catch up with someone. You know, there's good crowd control for people for PvE experiences, but for PvP, not so much. If someone wants to run away, they're pretty much going to get away. As long as they're smart, they don't end up in a dead end. So it's just kind of silly, the silly game of cat and mouse. So maybe what they could do is if someone has a history of being a rogue, they consistently, like, in one day they've gone rogue consecutively, that person should probably be put on the most wanted list, you know, or something. So that, all right, they may not be on rogue status, they're kind of probationary, but if you if you shoot them, there won't be any penalty to you. Something. So, they're not, you know, in that case... Then maybe that you don't mark it so that people know that they've been a bad person. You've been a bad boy. But you take that chance. and say, this person that's suspicious. Chances are they're a PK. They're a troll. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to strike first. You sh- I don't feel like you should be punished and turn into a rogue there. Because, you know, it's, it's clearly a situation you, you size up and you make the right call. You know, and then the division goes, hey, we checked that guy's history. Yeah, he's had a history of... Uh, ambushing people like you know there's all this overwatch you know how does how does you know it's kind of silly to me also from a storytelling perspective the person goes rogue but you know after a while everything's honky dory and don't shoot them because then you'll go rogue so it's like there's something with that mechanic and i think that needs to be refined you know because it's like really you don't want to be the first person to fire since you have to but the people that should be scared from attacking frivolously aren't because they're they're OP. They found ways to kind of exploit the system, break the break the game. 
you know, the Midas was that before, but now it's, they're doing it through other means. You know, they they probably build so they they suck at PVE, but at PVP they're just brute. They're just they they're, they're disgusting. There's no other word for it. So those are my thoughts on the division. I won't ramble on anymore about it. I'm trying to start wrapping this up here because my throat's getting a little scratchy. Like I said, I'm sick and nose is still running. Good times. But let's get it. Let's move on to tea time tidbits. I'm just gonna cover a few quick thoughts here. Uh, and I mentioned before, Orcs Must Die, Unchained, and Fire with Fire are on Steam. Don't forget to check those out. These are good early access games. And I know a lot of people have problems with early access. There's been some issues with, you know, early access. And people are like, oh, you know, just steal your money. And then they don't bother updating it. You know, I'd like to think that there's more good than bad in early access. And there are there's still honest people. You know, but business is business. There's going to be some dishonest business people. And there's going to be honest business people. And it's, and it's hard. As a consumer, you have to kind of take that, that risk. But I look at it like this. At least we're not paying full price for these games, right? Because with these big studios, they're still doing the same thing. The whole bait and switch and extracting value from their offerings and then s- selling it to us later, right? Like my, the famous uh, unlock the content that's already on the disc you paid for, which is silly, you know? DLC used to be content developed after the fact that you buy later on when it was available, now it's content that's already available, and then later on, um, they'll come into it. <laughs> uh, hold on, I think I have something that's got a message here. Sorry, I got distracted. It's, re- it's related to geeky antics. I, to, I think I should check it right away. It might be tight sensitive. But I don't think you guys want it. Hey, hi, kitty. My cat's just exploring man cave. Anywho, um... You know, give give betas, give early access a, a shot. Uh, like I said, big game studios are finding ways more and more to nickel and dime the consumers. So, and we're fine with it. Like, my biggest thing is, I I, I really try to avoid digital. I don't want to be part of the problem. The digital is convenient. On the console, I avoid it as much as possible. On PC, it's kind of hard because most things are digital, and Steam is really convenient. Um, so is so is Humble Bundle and GOG. But here's the thing: if everybody's just buying things purely digital and they forego physical, eventually companies, publishers will be able to say, "Oh, we won't do, we just won't do physical anymore." But I have such a big problem with digital because you think about it: why would you pay the same price for something that has a lower cost for the provider? With with the digital, they don't have to worry about distribution channels and you know packaging. And all the stuff involved with that. They just push the product out. You put it on a marketplace and then let it fly. So there should be at least a, a 10 to 20% saving right there. I mean, now when you buy physicals, you barely even get instruction manuals or any kind of inserts. So it, it's weird that they're, sa- they're cutting down costs, but they're not passing those savings down to consumers at all. Alright, I, I understand getting more profit, fine. Sustainable. But... They're really not passing down those savings at all. Digital also doesn't depreciate as fast as physical does. That's been my experience. That a lot of times I'll find sales on the, digi- on the physical copy, but you look at the, at the marketplaces for digital, it rarely fluctuates. And when it depreci- when the values depreciate, it takes a little while. So we're not ready for digital future. And I know I go off into the rant, this rant a lot on different shows that I that I host or I guest on. 
or when I stream, you know, I, I those of you that, that know me, you know, I, this is something I often get into, and, and it's just, it's just the way I feel. We're not ready for digital. 100% digital distribution, I think, would be a bane to the to the video game industry, not a boon. You know, we should always have the option for physical. Stand by your rights, folks. It's just like voting. You know, you, you may not believe in the, any of the politicians, but just exercising the right to vote, make sure that we always have that choice, you know. It may not be the best choice, but at least we have some some control. You know, we keep buying digital. We're essentially creating a, a worse future for the industry, I, I feel like. Maybe I'm being a little extreme, but that's how I look at it. It's good to have options. It keeps people honest. Uh, What else? Uh, yeah. Uh, let's, oh, you know, sales. Let's talk about sales. Legend of Korra is on sale for under five bucks. Uh, Descent Underground is on sale too, or at least it was. It was like seven bucks off. Now, Descent Underground, that's one that I'm really partial to because here's another game that kind of defined a genre. We've, we already, we were already seeing shooters at the time, but when's the last time we saw 360 degrees you know, of control in the, like, team deathmatch environment. And this is what Descent Underground is doing. I haven't played it as much as I would like, because there's just so many games to play, but I really like what I've seen there. And they kept it true to what the original was. It's a really beautiful game, too. Um, so, as even as early access, I would recommend it. Uh, I need to see more how active the community is on it, but I like the foundation that's there for sure. Um... Of course, by now, a lot of folks have heard about That Dragon Cancer, <laughs> which is, I think, a silly name. Um, there's a huge fail with this company. Uh, Numinous, they put out, it's basically a family-owned business. What is it? Numinous Games? Yeah. Uh, you can go to thatdragoncancer.com and learn more about it. This is a game that they sell for $14.99, and apparently it's offered on Ouya. I didn't know. I thought Ouya was dead. Uh, apparently Ouya's still a thing. Uh, you can also get it on Mac and Windows. Apparently, Ouya was shut down, like, official support for it, but Ouya, you can still distribute to Ouya. That's kind of neat. <laughs> uh, gosh. So, one of the tweets they have on their website is this from uh, Ashley Alicia. Am I supposed to know? I don't know. Pancakes in celebration of that, dragon, that, that Dragon's Cancer's launch. Support great hashtag game dev. Get the game. Uh, this is uh, January 12th, so it's been out for a while, and they're you know they're kind of bitter in the fact that it didn't sell well. Here's the thing, you know, uh, and they had, they have something on their website too. It says if it's if it's a if a let's play video or an article about that dragon cancer led you here, and you'd like to support the continued work of our team, we will gladly accept donations from PayPal. Donations will be used to fund our next project and allow us to continue to keep our team working together. It's not a bad-looking website. Very artsy-fartsy, highly stylized, you know, typical kind of high-concept, good-looking, not much content. You know, this is kind of... This is the antithesis of the kind of website I, I like to design. Very plain. Yeah, it looks good, but... There's no real value. In that. You're not really saying anything here. All right, we have our team, our family. We have Ryan Green, Josh Larson, Amy Green, John Hillman. They got a bit of a team here. This guy looks familiar. Mike Pareto. He's a software developer with 14 plus years experience, professional experience. I got a bit of a team. All right. 
I don't want to poop on this because I know this is a game that was made to honor the loss of, of a family member, which is always a tragic thing, right? But I feel like this company, this team has exploited that to an extent. And they feel like because it's such a tragic story that people should just buy it or otherwise they're heartless. But, you know, when it comes down to it, is it a good game? And when I look at this game, I see Telltale. I see let's. I see The Last of Us. <laughs> and I know I'm very brutal to Last of Us. But I'm talking, you know, I see Life is Strange. You know, oh, they're cool movies. They're cool experiences. But the gameplay just really isn't compelling to me. So, you know, the, the whole fail with this this game is that they kind of banned Let's Play videos. And they were trying to do copyright claims and cash in like Nintendo does on what should have been free advertising, a mutually beneficial scenario for everybody, you know? A Let's Play video, Let's Play video, the streamers, they're not going to break video games. Anything, they're always going to help you get a little more attention. I always see them as a benefit. You know, enthusiast press is more powerful than people think. The, 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 the social media is about the people having the power. Some people abuse that power, but ultimately it gives everybody a voice. And it, And if you're doing the right things, you can amplify what would otherwise be a, a less heard voice. So this is a bad move, you know, just kind of shooting down Enthusiast Press and just being a poop body. Uh, it's, it's a shame. I think they just need to be honest and realize this is a game that's very artsy-fartsy. It's high concept, but not much of a game. It's an experience. They should have marketed it as such, say, maybe price it accordingly. Because to me... I can't say it's a $20 game. I can't say it's a $15 game. Maybe that's what they feel they need to price it as to, to recuperate the cost. But I would just say, you know what? Let's eat the cost. $10 per unit. Let's get out as many copies as possible. Get people talking about this. $15, I'm like, no. There's, way there's things I'd rather play. You know, and, and this is from someone that's been personally affected by cancer on so many levels. So many loved ones. I've had my own scares. I understand the pain and, and the importance to create urgency, but it's just not a fun game, and it's kind of wonky. Like Someone was telling me there's a mini-game where uh, you have to drown yourself repeatedly because you're so depressed because you lost your loved one to cancer. And I'm like, what? Why would you want to play that? Why would you want something that's going to make you feel terrible? You know, I don't know. I don't know what they thought, but... I'm dumbfounded. And that's all I got to say. That dragon cancer fail. Uh, so people just don't get it. These are people that have the know-how and the ability to create a game. And this happens so often in the industry. But they don't understand what people really like in a game. You know, what makes a game fun? Do you understand the mechanics? What makes a game sticky? You know, gamification, game theory is a huge thing to learn about. From a marketing perspective and a design perspective and just the psychology of it, what really drives an experience and makes it a game. And, you know, if you have an interactive story, sell it as such. You know, you can still sell it as through a game market, but say, hey, look, you know, we're, you know, this is basically an Unreal's experience. You just go along for the ride and enjoy it. But it needs to be something that let, lets the person feel a personal attachment to it. Because then, if you do that right, it doesn't matter if someone sees a friend play it in their in their house, or let's play video, or they watch a Twitch stream, they're gonna want to experience it for themselves. That's 
good game design. This here is not. That's all I got to say about it. And I don't want to sound mean, but that's, you know, at the end of the day, is it a fun game? If it's not, well, what did you want? Um, now, real quick about, let's talk a little TV. Then we got mailbag and we'll wrap it up. Um, can I switch things up a little bit? We don't usually do a mailbag here. That's something we usually do on Hoist Play Live. But I feel like I'll share some things here with you guys. So, I've finally wa- watched uh, 11-22-63. And that is a fantastic show. I don't want to spoil it for you if you haven't seen it. This is a Stephen King joint made into an eight-part miniseries. A la The, the Strand and a lot of other things he's done. Um, really loved it. Uh, James Franco was great in it. Though he was pretty much James Franco. Um, I feel like he's always the same guy and everything. Maybe it's his facial expression or something. But I do like him as an actor. Uh, he, he also produced the show along with J.J. Uh, Abrams. There surprisingly wasn't that much lens flare. So that was cool. Um, how can I talk about this without talking about spoiling too much? I mean, early on, they pretty much tell you that it is timey me. There's some timey me in there. Um... It becomes more of a love story, and what the show really tackled is the morality of of time travel, the ethical issues behind time travel, and the burden of of choice, and sort of the whole. This is kind of like predestiny involved here. Like, if you could change things, change events, does that mean you should? Are there certain points, fixed points in time that have to remain the same? This, and that's a, a theme we've seen in Doctor Who. And I like the way they handle it here. You know, as a ro- hopeless romantic, I kind of would have done the story a little different. But I like where they went with it. Um, they did a good job. Um, I hear the book is fantastic as well. I, I might have to read it. Uh, lots of feels. Lots of feels here. Definitely would recommend it, and I'm glad someone recommended it to me because it was not even on my radar. Because I'm trying to cut back on TV, and I love Stephen King, and it's like, oh no, I don't need to get down, go down that road again. Um, definitely, definitely way better than Under the Dome, though. I do that show was a guilty pleasure, but the way they ended it, um, blame the producers on that. <laughs> uh, anywho, uh, The Walking Dead. Um, I was gonna talk about this with Oolong. I doubt he's caught up anyway. But there's some rumors that Enid sabotaged Alexandria. And, you know, this is something I've been thinking about. How did the group, and by the way, spoilers, this is all season six spoilers. When we look at the season six finale, how did we get there? A lot of it just seems way too convenient. You know, we saw this this so-called clever shifting around of chess pieces to get the characters to the point the point that they got to right but it just didn't make sense like suddenly like all these characters especially carol complete 180 uh she went from being rambo to being dumbo um and and just silly mistakes repeated over and over again it just to get to a really stupid really stupid stuff to get to a really stupid cliffhanger that's really what i feel like and we saw it coming We, we knew they were gonna cop out at the end but man but the neat thing that's come of this is that makes it a little more believable is that people are thinking, and I, I, I'm in this school of thought too, that Enid sabotaged things. That she's, she put something in... There's some baked goods that she gave to um, 
to Maggie, and suddenly she got sick. It seems like it was all too convenient that Maggie got sick out of nowhere. And think about it, well, someone in the group has to be a traitor, and Enid is the one that kind of stands out the most. Um, she kept, you know, go, going off on her own, sneaking out of the, the, the camp, out of, out of the settlement. You know, she's always she's always acting like she's really burdened, burdened and conflicted. She doesn't want Carl to go with the group. She's fighting against him, maybe because she's trying to save just him. So, so I feel like she knew there was a trap coming. She said she made some kind of deal with the saviors to spare Carl or certain people. And she tried to tell him not to go without actually telling him, you know, that, well, I'm kind of involved. I know what's going to happen because that would have blown up the spot. So there's something going on there. I I, I like this theory. It, it actually makes me look forward to season seven more. In spite of the the way they kind of played games with us this whole time, because this second half of the season was the strongest I could think of to date. But then that last episode, it kind of screwed it up. The constantly running into dead ends and not catching on to the fact that this is a trap. I would have just turned back and found, hey, look, let's read some books, something, give it, give her some meds, try to manage her condition on our own. I don't know, try to, like, find the equivalent of WebMD. These are his symptoms. All right, we can probably medicate her and fix it. You know, there could have been so many things. Do a blood transfusion, something. They could have figured it out. They could have faked it till they made it. They didn't really need Denise. Denise wasn't that crucial. Her loss wasn't that much of an impact as much as they tried to play it up to be. They could have managed her condition. But the fact that it just, it just seemed like, all right, so Maggie got sick. So now they have to go to Hilltop, but they haven't had active communication with Hilltop to know what the situation over there is. There's so many variables they left, so many things they left up to chance, and it's like the group suddenly stopped thinking. So I don't know. the The lead up, the build up, is all silly. It's like everyone, everyone just went on herp derp status. Um, why would you leave your settlement? unprotected you you took your best soldiers with you so they're all in one place it's just a bad idea to begin with and the enemy has an advantage because you're going to unfamiliar territory and they can see you coming you know they should have split up into groups provided some kind of overwatch or something what happened to stealth combat what happened to awareness Ugh. so uh, you know and again i get it they had to tell us they had to make the story happen i think it's a little bit lazy a little hard to believe, but we got to the point we want to get to now. We're going to get to the all-out war. Now it's more of a matter of how did they get out of this this pickle. They, the writers really dug themselves into a hole. Because I don't see how they're going to get out of this pickle. Alright, one person gets beat up, maybe killed. It's probably going to be someone we don't care about as much. Probably Abraham, people are suspecting. And they kind of fore- foreshadowed that. With uh, the whole Eugene saying you've you've outlived, you've outlived your usefulness, and then the whole Sasha romance thing, which seems a little forced. Um, so will this be karma because he broke Rosalita's heart? I don't know. Well, maybe Rosita, Rosalita, whatever her name is, maybe she's gonna be next because she hasn't really been featured. Was it, she went with the group too? Didn't she? She was there. Yeah. And what's up with Tara? Because Tara hasn't been around much. Well, that's because she's pregnant in real life and trying to keep her off camera a little bit while she works through that 
Uh, but I gotta say, pregnant women—they they, they always have this nice glow to them, and you, and you can see like I started noticing like she looks a little thicker. Oh, she's pregnant, isn't she? And they're like, oh, there you go. They try to keep taking shots where it's not as obvious, but yeah, you can't hide that. You can be able to show the belly. <laughs> I've been around enough pregnant women to know. Anyway, that's just a random thought. So I don't know. Um, I'm looking forward to to season seven. For now, we got Fear the Walking Dead to tie this over. And as much as people like to poop on that show, I think it's a fun romp. It's not. Uh, people are like, well, I don't like these soap operas with this thin thread of a plot. Well, that's kind of what The Walking Dead is. It's just drama. It's a soap. You know, you gotta. What happens next? Who done it? It's always gonna be a cliffhanger. There's gonna be some kind of tension, some kind of drama. Oh, love triangle or in differences that escalate. Yeah, it's kind of it's the formula, but that's that's it. Just don't expect much and just go along for the ride. Uh, that's all I can say. Let's look at some mail we've gotten. The first uh, mail I want to talk about. A little sip here. Mm-hmm. All right. So, I uh, months ago, I got an email from a dad, and I'm not gonna read his email verbatim, but this is I thought it was really cool because. It was a very personal story. He shared a lot of details that I think he probably doesn't want out there. But he basically said that his son wants to get into streaming and he wants to support him. But he wanted to know what kind of things you should look for on the business end and what kind of approach you should take. So I told him what I tell everybody uh, in my in my coaching and what I talk about on our podcast and what we kind of share on, on geekyanswers.net is that whether you're a YouTube person, a podcaster, a Twitch streamer, or wherever you stream, you always have to go beyond your main platform. You know, you don't want to leave money on the table. You don't want to let someone else control your fate. You build your brand primarily on one platform. That's your home base. But you expand your brand beyond that. You do this for the networking. You do this to protect yourself. You know, and, and that's really, and you do it so that you're not just grinding that one platform because Twitch itself is a grind. And sadly, a lot of people that get partnered are people that are lucky that I don't think partner getting partnered is a good goal either, because you could establish your value on your own without having Twitch tell you that your content is good or bad. They think they know their audience, but they don't know their audience as well as they do. They like to think they do. And and I hate to say it, I do love Twitch, and there's some great people working at Twitch, but I think that they've partnered with some people that are terrible and boring, unremarkable, but they have a good look, or they have a gimmick, and sometimes that's, or they just get lucky, and they know the right people. So, you know, Twitch is a very volatile ecosystem. I wouldn't say don't pursue it, but I would say, you know, use that, and then think about how you can drive conversations, create activity when you're not streaming. Maybe just have game nights for the sake of having game nights and have increased in- interaction with people so you're not worried about the stream. Um, have a Facebook p- group group or a page. Um, you know, do Skype calls, do podcasts. There's so many ways you could go beyond. You know, write articles, do game reviews. You know, I would definitely say have some kind of website, something that's your own that you could have a lot more control over. As a call to action beyond your stream, so you can keep that activity growing and keep cultivating a community and building an audience outside of your main thing. 
And uh, that's pretty much what I told him. I told him what kind of numbers to expect as far as the metrics go and KPIs, you know, uh, key, key performance indicators and we went into all that business stuff. But basically, that's what it boils down to. Right, Blue? Where are you? Oh, there she is. Being silly goose. Um, we got a nice thank you note recently from a Twitch streamer. And I get a lot of these, but I just, I'm just highlighting this particular one because it's one of the most recent ones. Uh, thank you to everybody that sends you, sends us these uh, kudos because it lets us know that you know what we're doing really does matter, and that's huge for me. It's huge for it's huge for us. Um, so they said, just wanted to say thank you for your awesome page on how to succeed on Twitch. I hope this advice works for me. I've been streaming on Twitch for three for four months straight, and it's hard to get even three viewers. And I was recently laid off from work, and I have two children. So I figured I would do something, try doing something I love like gaming. Although with poor success, I thank you for posting this page, and I will use your advice. Awesome job! And this is uh, from Dead on Dead One Two Three Twitch TV forward slash Dead on Dead One Two Three. You know, and I love this because this is what I f- I see so often. Twitch realizes that they have a very young audience. You know, most people that spend a lot of time on Twitch are people that have lots of free time, i.e., kids. But they don't realize that there's a huge audience. Like, you know, fill the people that are gaming dads, gaming moms. And there's 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 30 and 40 and 50-somethings of us that don't have enough representation. You know, or just people that have kids and other responsibilities that would like to have more more love on that side of things. People that have real lives. that don't have this magical world where you can just game and stream 24-7. It's not realistic. You know, and, and sadly, that's the cult, that's the culture, that's the image that Twitch is cultivating. That you have to have eight to twelve hours a day to stream in order to be successful. But who has that kind of time? You know, it's it's silly. So I'm sure that Dead on Dead one two three is doing the same thing. A lot of people do grinding and just hitting a wall again and again. Don't do it. You ha- you know. Plug into existing communities, network with people. You should be at least 50-50, a 50-50 split between streaming and actually doing non-streaming activities to build your brand, build your community, get to know people, and give back to the community. Join other streams. Join other podcasts. In fact, the more you go outside of Twitch, the better because it's a grind. You want to... You wanna, Send people back to your channel as much as you send people out of your channel. You know, send them to a Facebook page. Send them to a face, uh, Facebook group. Uh, maybe you have a lo- uh, a group online app. There's so many things you could do to cultivate that, that audience and engage people and, ne- and network and build your brand. Don't leave that strictly to Twitch because it's going to be very disheartening. And I hate to say it, but I made a decision long ago. I, and I was getting lots of traction. And I said, you know what? The amount of time and effort it takes for me to do this, and I have a marketing background, and I can make, I can hit part if I really wanted to, but that buy-in, that dedication is just, I realized the the return on my investment wasn't going to be significant enough, you know, for me. It didn't match my goals, so I said, you know what, I'll come back to this when I'm in a better place where I can have that free time and not have to worry about it and just do it because I enjoy it. But if you're in the pressured situation, a high-pressure situation where you want to make it profitable and really build an audience, a highly engaged audience, you want to start doing multiple things, not just Twitch streaming. I can tell you that much. 
just uh, have me a Twitch channel. It's too easy to do it. So it, it doesn't take much for someone to hit click a button that says start stream and just play games and just, you know, banter. Now, a lot of people don't even talk. So if you're someone that's engaging, that puts you in a select few. But then, you know, and, and okay, you got a webcam that makes you stand out a little bit more. But again, anybody can have a webcam. What you do, what's rare is people that are actually engaging and actually have something worthwhile to say. That's like a, a 10% at best of Twitch community. And it's hard to do that and be really engaging and really exciting and have fun with it when you're in the pressure, when you're, when you're under the gun. So don't give up, but definitely look into joining a team, being part of a community. Because, you know, reinventing the wheel also isn't fun either. It's not a good use of your time. Um, look for teams, you know, and I'm not saying geeky antics, but like, like us, you know, that are looking to create mutually beneficial scenarios. Where you can build your brand, you can help us build our brand further on the Twitch front, and we can help you get tap into other communities and other platforms, other other marketing channels. Um, this is a really exciting one. I got a an email a while back from uh, Sean Burris, the host of A and E's TV Extreme Paranormal, also uh, the co-host of award winning nine year running radio show about all things strange, weird, and paranormal, entertainment, etc. And he wants to know more about broadcasting on our network. And he said, send me a good email. I'm like, well, that's a tough one. He wants to check out ghostanddemon.com. Sean B, a.k.a. Ghostman. So this might be a, a show... This is a, we get a lot of messages like this, but I thought this one was particularly interesting. Someone coming more from a traditional media background and looking to do more... Uh, video streaming and, and podcasting stuff. So hopefully we'll wow them, and hopefully they'll wow us. <laughs> um, I'm not one to be really taken back by big. We've had some big names and heavy hitters approach us, but at the end of the day, we want some people that are a good personality fit and, and get our vision. So hopefully, uh, Sean will be joining us. So stay tuned. Um, now this was a funny one. I get so I get hundreds of messages a, a week. It's and it, it's exciting. That means we're we're getting out there, but so much of it is just plain old garbage, um, like so many sales pitches. And I I laugh because especially so many of them are SEO companies, online marketing firm types. You know they're like, oh, we can get you more traffic. Yo, we can help you get convert more people, generate sales leads. And and I'm looking at it like, did you not read anything on our site to see that we're not only are we a media outlet, but you also offer those very services? Hmm. Yeah. So like you know, you're bringing sand to the desert. Good job. That that even if, you know, even if you offer services, it doesn't hurt to outsource uh, services for overflow or get a different perspective. You know, kind of supplement your exist your internal efforts. Nothing wrong with that. But if you're a search engine company and you don't search yourself to find out what a a, tar, a potential client is actually doing, and you send me this generic message like this, like, I know you probably receive a lot of emails talking about search engine optimization services, but we are different from the rest, and I am willing to prove it. Oh, that's good for, that's good for you. Here are a few reasons we are not your normal SEO agency. One, our search engine optimization, and by the way, this is all one big block, there's no spacing, no highlighting, pretty 
bad. But yeah, I get it. They sent it through our through our search form, through our mail form. So I get it. But you could have put spaces in it. It supports that. Uh, one, our search engine optimization and marketing services are designed for success. Oh, so other ones are designed for failure. Got it. Our services generally start at fifteen hundred dollars a month in order to provide your campaign with the necessary resources to do the right job and confidently predict a successful campaign. Okay, that's fair. I, I feel like that's uh, what people should be charging anyway, though people will try to definitely go under that. All right. Uh, you've been burned by a... I don't know what to say here. If you've been burned by another company in the past, it was likely that they would just give you the price you wanted rather than the price that that was required to get results. That's not true, because I know people that have paid 3000 a month and still got poop returns. Um, <laughs> so, it's not about price, it's about value. But anywho, we are focused on getting results. That's great. We are in it, number two, we are in it for the long term. We are in an extreme, we are an extremely low turnover business and our costs go up significantly if we lose, not lose, c- clients within the first year. I'm already losing confidence uh, in this, but, but anyway, we'll keep reading. Uh, if we lose clients within the, if we lose clients within the first year. So we have a large incentive to keep you happy and keep you on board long term. Okay, that's, that's fair enough. That's a good point. And that's a point I often make. It's like, your success is crucial to me. Keeping people on, on board month to month on a, on a SLA, a monthly, uh, contract. Yeah. Uh, you definitely want that. You want people to renew their contracts, of course. Number three, we provide realistic expectations to our clients rather than telling them what they want to hear just to get them to sign up. The truth isn't as exciting as the fairy tales that other companies are willing to tell you, but it's the truth. If you're interested in hearing what we can do for your site, then we would love to set up a consultation call with you. Let me know what time day works best and the best number. Thanks, Chris. Now, the funny thing about this, I got a, a similar message from the same email before, and this Chris, spelled C-H-R-I-S, spelled it K-R-I-S. So clearly this is like some operation in India, or Brazil, or Portugal, some, you know, third world country, and, you know, they're saying their name is Sam, but it's really like something crazy. And I'm not trying to be racist, but it's just, be honest, I- I'm a huge fan of authenticity, don't blow smoke. This is a cold call, and they did nothing to build trust. This is a, this is an important lesson here. You gotta build that trust, you know, especially if you're coming in off of a cold or warm, you know, lead. You, you gotta have some kind of thing that's gonna make me say, "All right, I want to listen to what you want you have to say." But also, you're making an assumption that there's a pain point that may not be there. That I don't have that the pain point that you're saying. My pain point is. Not here at all. So, they lost me. They lost me. Like, if they said, hey, we'll, we'll find ways to make your site more profitable and we'll make, draw clear value, that, that, that sounds good to me. I don't have money to invest 1500 Like, that's what I, I would charge minimum for this kind of offering. But I don't have money to invest that consistently unless you're going to show me a value center. Sorry, and I don't see the value here. Fail. So, you know, maybe every now and then I'm going to read more of these uh, random uh, pitches. We're going to end the show with the TWTT word of the day. You thought we weren't going to do it, huh? Kind of know this is a tradition we've, we've been doing week to week. So today's TWTT word of the day is brought to you by Ninny Hammers and Rafflecopters Worldwide. 
Oh, and Dictionary.com. And that's not a sponsored endorsement. Uh, the word is waffle stompers. And it's a plural noun that refers to ankle boots with ridged soles. Used especially for, hike, for hiking. Waffle stompers. Here's, here it is used in a, in a quote. Dressed in his usual uniform, a red and blue checkered, uh, checked, sorry, checked flannel shirt, safari vest, high-topped waffle stompers, and faded jeans, Ted looked like he should be out in some wilderness area. And that's from Mary Mackey, The Kindness of Strangers, 1988. And waffle stompers is an Americanism from the 1970s. So it's a pretty recent addition to things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to see if I missed anything. Making some last-minute show note additions. And I think this is where we would bid a fond farewell so I could do some post-production work, get the video up, get the audio up, and get busy on other stuff. So, folks, don't forget, you can find TWTT and all our other fine shows wherever podcasts can be found, Player FM, uh, Stitcher, iTunes, all that good stuff. Let's look up Geeky, Geeky Antics. You should find us. We also have our mixed our aggregate, lead, uh, aggregate feed over at geekyantics.net for says podcast. There's the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash geekyantics. YouTube, youtube.com forward slash geekyantics. We have a bunch of other links that you can check out on our show notes on Google Drive. Uh, what else with us? Newsletter, if you want to subscribe, bit.ly forward slash gangmail, and gang is all caps, bit.ly forward slash gangmail, or just go to the website, geekyantics.net, go scroll down to the bottom, and you'll see the. Uh, the logo you click on for our subscription form, or you, it is an embedded form on the right sidebar. That's pretty much it. Uh, like I said, I'm not feeling too hot, folks, and we're not. We're definitely always come close to two hours, so it's a little shorter. We're an, an hour 50, more or less. But I think this is a good starting point. It always ends up being that we have a lot more to talk about than we think. Great. Glad to have you this week. Thank you for joining us for Tea Time, and we'll see you in two weeks. Take care, folks. And, uh, you know, do the time me stuff. Peace. We thank you. We thank you for every crumb, biscuit and cake you bring to the table. Because Doctor Who belongs to all of us. What you bring to the timey-wimey tea time in your live chat participation, comments, likes, shares, tweets and voicemail, all of it means the world to us. Love, true love never fails. Do you like it? If you like what we're doing, well, tell us for God's sake. Shout it from the rooftops at geekyantics.net or call it in 206-415-4987. That's 206-415-4987. That's it. Bless you. So long. And thanks for all the fish. But on, it won't be that long, just a wee while, because the timey-wimey tea time will be back. We'll return next Saturday with fresh insights, questions and epiphanies about Doctor Who. And heck yes, everything geek. Maybe same bat time, absolutely the same bat channel, every Saturday. Timey-wimey tea time.
Me gusta. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.